0: News Weekly, October 6, 2018. National Affairs. Drought, Just One Element in a Bigger Climate Picture by Charles Nason. We should thank Bryce Cam, Queensland Country Life, August 8, 2018. Ben Rees, QCL, August 30, 2018. Jeff Edwards, QCL, August 30, 2018, and Peter Westmore, Newsweekly, August 25, 2018, for initiating a much-needed and long-overdue conversation and rethink about drought. Yet this did not generate the discussion that we urgently require. Why not? Drought impacts on farmers, but should the wider community be concerned? Droughts impose extraordinary costs on farm operations, generally tipping most of them into the red. Droughts just expose the marginal returns in agriculture. Yes, most farmers will recover, but generally they are still in a weak financial position. Rural debt figures well demonstrate this when the next drought arrives. Rain Man the Climate Decision Support Package, suggests that a drought for southern Queensland occurs about every four to five years. It generally takes about this long to get back into the black. What I see is a sawtooth profit graph, but with a downwards long-term trend line. However, droughts have a much wider impact. As farmers restrict spending, Local communities also suffer, and this flows on into the wider economy. Peter Costello said that the 2002 drought reduced the growth rate of gross domestic product, GDP, from 35 to 2.75%. There was a similar effect on employment. So, although the drought resulted in just a 20% reduction in farm production, an industry sector that contributes only about 2.5% to GDP must have an enormous flow-on or multiplier effect on the wider economy to affect the growth rate so dramatically. As one local business owner said to me years ago, Roma needs a wheat crop. Or, as a local bank manager said, I can never get over the wealth a busted-ass farmer can generate for the national economy. This is backed up by Paul L.P. O'Mara, who published a paper from his PhD in 1984 that suggested that agriculture had a much bigger effect on the economy than its contribution to GDP suggested. Because of this flow-on, the wider community needs to be concerned at least about the financial health of agriculture as it impacts hugely on the national economy. One comment about Paul O'Mara's paper was that the 1982 drought may have precipitated the 1983 recession. Governments do provide assistance to agriculture but it is well targeted and does it contribute to resilience. There is an old saying that goes, Give a man a fish and you feed him for a day, but teach him how to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. Government assistance unfortunately largely falls into the first category and furthermore tends to reward reactive management while failing to promote proactive management. Hay drops, while well-intended, unfortunately only feed stock for a very short time. I would suggest that resources and energy would be better directed towards encouraging policy that develops, encourages and rewards drought resilience for the benefit of all. Queensland Peak Rural Organisation, AgForce, has a drought policy but it is far too simplistic and provides little to build on. This is concerning as it developed the Climate ed package several years ago, which had two components, to understand climate better and to use this understanding to help producers develop resilience to drought. However, it has not continued to build on this visionary initiative. We have spent billions on climate change, mostly on mitigation, yet have scarcely dealt with climate variability, a greater understanding of which would also contribute much to adaption to climate change as well. Because droughts ultimately impact on the wider community, the community needs to be also an involved stakeholder. They at least need to reflect on the inhibitory constraints that governments impose, hopefully through ignorance rather than intent. Former Department of Agriculture and Fisheries Principal Scientist, Dr Bill Burrows, firmly established the severe impact trees have on grass production. This is a dramatic impost on producers with a green block, especially in a drought when the effect is amplified significantly. Graziers are frequently accused of overstocking their country. However, is there a corresponding obligation of the wider community to manage wildlife and destock stock kangaroos in dry times? My experience suggests that kangaroos are about 50% of stocking pressure in dry periods. The wider community needs to take this responsibility seriously as vegetation and wildlife together seriously impede producers' ability to manage for droughts. At some stage, the wider community needs to become actively involved in enhancing drought resilience. Strategic feedstocks such as grain, molasses, hay and protein meals need to be considered. Farmers supposedly require a social licence to farm, should there be a corresponding strategic licence or obligation to produce food and supply critical food stocks. A local feed supplier is looking at importing cottonseed meal from Africa. This is a worry. We grow large amounts of cotton in Australia Why do we have to import the meal? Mark McGovern of Queensland University of Technology, with the Customs House Agreement, exploded the myth that we exported 60 to 70% of our food production and suggested it was much less on a net basis. This was done 20 years ago and our population has grown dramatically since. When we factor in recurring droughts, our food resilience or food self-sufficiency may not have such a comfortable margin as we are led to believe, and drought resilience should be prioritised. Consider that in 2007-08, we produced enough wheat only for our domestic requirements. One of the findings of Rebecca Huntley in Still Lucky she spent nine years listening to groups of ordinary Australians, was that ordinary Australians were concerned about our future ability to feed ourselves. Another finding was the reluctance of our politicians to make the important strategic decisions. Drought is a complex issue, and we could ask whether it is a symptom of a deeper malady. If farming were not profitable, would droughts hit so severely? My answer is that droughts are now not feed-or-water droughts as in the past, but profit droughts. That is to say, droughts just expose the underlying poor profitability of farming. After this drought ends. This drought will end but the tax office and financial institutions will get first call on any profits. This reduces the ability of farmers to restore much-needed equity and thus have a buffer against the next drought. Should we consider exempting agriculture from paying taxes as India does? If we factor in the multiplier effect, this concept might even be revenue-positive, as well as attracting much-needed domestic capital into agriculture. All this is of no value to producers who have already endured many years of drought. What for them? Should we formalise the ad hoc household support using the concept of a universal income as several authorities have suggested as a model? The move by the European Union agriculture is 40% of the EU budget, suggesting that it values agriculture highly, from a production-based subsidy to an environmentally-based subsidy could also be a model to consider to keep farmers on the land during low production periods and encourage environmental initiatives. The Queensland Country Life editorial of February 4, 2016 commented, farmers hate droughts because it hurts. Politicians hate droughts because hurting farmers makes demands on their resources and loyalties. Economists hate drought because when politicians respond to hurting farmers, they invariably get it wrong. We need to get this right sometime soon, but labour does not appear to have a good record of understanding regional economies. The triple knock of the live export ban, Shire amalgamation and the amendment to the Vegetation Management Act 1999 all adversely affected regional economies. A sustainable community needs a sustainable income base. Agriculture is usually the main economic driver of regional economies, and anything that affects agriculture further reduces regional economies. All this further reduces regional populations and inhibits decentralisation. Australia is already a highly urbanised country. We do not want it more centralised. A Rural Industries Research and Development Corporation, Internal Workshop on Emerging Issues in Agriculture, stated that there was no clear vision or objectives for agriculture or regional Australia. J.P. Schur and K.R. Schur, Beyond the Conventional Wisdom Rural Development, As If Australia's Rural People and Communities Really Mattered?, 1994 Journal of Research in Rural Education, were astonished at the absence of a rural development policy in Australia and said the entire country was deeply dependent on rural Australia. They suggested that Australia should construct a rural development policy giving priority to six goals. A growing rural population base, Rural People and Communities Reaping an Equitable Share of the Rewards Derived from Rural Resources A Growing and Diversifying Rural Economic Base A Growing Rural Employment Base An Improved Quality of Rural Life And Stronger, More Cohesive Rural Communities While these six goals sound rather undramatic at first, acting upon them would entail fundamental changes in rural policy and programs. And the day is fast approaching when Australia will confront the bitterly, ironic dual reality of record profit export earnings from the primary sector and record numbers of traditional primary producers and of the businesses dependent upon them, battling just to survive. And from a hard-nosed economic perspective, it makes sense to protect the rural goose that continues to lay so many of Australia's golden eggs. But if the object of one's protection and assistance is improperly understood, the help one provides may end up doing more harm than good. And agriculture remains a tremendous generator of jobs. It does so through a powerful employment multiplier effect. I believe we need to consider dams and small on-farm feedlots as drought mitigating initiatives and remove legislative barriers if we are really serious in managing droughts. The same water for the same stock, but in a small drought feedlot requiring intensive water permits Defies logic. We need an urgent bipartisan whole of government approach now to minimise the flow on effects of this drought. Did the 1982 drought precipitate the 1983 recession? The big shakeout of farmers following the 1990 to 1993 drought should not be repeated, if only from a social perspective. I argue that we really should be discussing a climatic variability policy or extreme event policy, rather than just the one extreme of drought. For we ignore floods at the other end of the climate spectrum. The 2010 to 2011 floods may have caused just as much financial and social hardship as have droughts. In the meantime, this drought will have an impact on the economy. What we do will determine its level of economic and social fallout and the perverse consequences of future droughts. I would suggest that drought is the consequence of farmers and governments' failure to manage climate variability.